Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here with us today. We are glad that you are here with us today. We are glad that you have chosen to worship at Boiling Springs Baptist. And my prayer this morning for each of us is that we would open our hearts so that we can feel God's presence and God's spirit this morning. John 15 through 14, 15 through 17. If you love me, obey my commands. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another friend to help you and to be with you forever. That friend is the spirit of truth. The world can't accept him. That's because the world does not see him or know him. But you will know him. He lives with you, and he will be in you. Our hymn of praise this morning is number three, Worthy of Worship. If you would, if you're able, please stand and join me in singing hymn number three.
invite the children to come forward for lesson on the steps. How are you guys today on this wonderful fall day? Are you looking at my funny thing that I have up here? He's a little worn out, isn't he, Briley? A little ugly. Well, this is Silly the Clown. And my son's not here, so I can tell on him. This little thing is 33 years old. And he has carried it around by every limb and thread that there is. And then we have B, the blanket. How many of you had one of these with the little slick corners that you rubbed and rubbed and rubbed forever when you were little? Nobody did? How about a special blanket or a stuffed animal? Well, sometimes you need security and even this little thing here who's been through a lot, he hardly even has a nose on him. But this was my security when I went off to college. Because see, I went from one end of the state to the other and I wasn't gonna have any family so I drug this around with me. And I still sort of have to hold on to him because he is, gives me a lots of security. But I wanna to read to you what Maggie said this morning and I want you to listen just very carefully. I will ask the Father and he will give you another friend to help you and to be with you forever. That friend is the spirit of truth. The world can't accept him that because the world does not know him or see him, but you will. Now granted, this isn't exactly what God was saying in that verse, but what he was saying was, he is with you everywhere. And he is the one who you hold on to when you need him. Now we may have a silly animal or a blanket that's our security, but in our heart is what really is our security because it does not matter what kind of day we have, good or bad, what kind of problem we may be facing. We may hug tight, but it's God that we seek to give us peace. And he will, we know he will, because we know through prayer and trust that he's always with us, no matter what. Just remember that as we've talked about praying and trusting that he's there and he's with us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for these precious children and their families. We thank you for this church that has led them to know and trust you. Walk with them, Lord, through this week. Keep them safe. Give them peace and comfort when they call upon you. They are your children, Lord, and we know you love them because you gave them and us your son. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, we're pleased to have David and Nancy Webb with us. And as David comes to share and just uh, right now, um, Bowling Springs Baptist has been and is, and I hope will always continue to be a strong supporter of various mission endeavors, both here locally, within our state, our nation, and around the world. 
Uh, we are privileged in Bowling Springs to have David Webb and Nancy and their ministry, the United Christian Mission. Uh, David, not only have I reconnected with David coming back into Boiling Springs the last two years, but David and I first got to know each other when I traveled with Baptist Retirement Homes in the circuit that is Baptist Life in North Carolina, I would travel around to different places and all of those places, Baptist Foundation would be there, the Baptist Children's Homes would be there, our colleges would be there, all these different entities. And so David and I would often set up right across or right beside each other. And so during slow times, David and I really got to know each other. And so uh, he's a, a class act and uh, David, we're glad that you're here. He's got a heart. I learned not only a little bit about Baptist Foundation, which I hope to have someone back here soon to talk about that, but also learned a lot about his work in Nicaragua, and not only there, but in other places as well. And so, David, we're glad you're here. David's going to share just briefly this morning about that, and he'll be with us again Wednesday to share more about uh, the United Christian Mission. So, David, come and share with us. It's a privilege for me to be here with you this morning, and it's a delight to be able to share with you in the brief moments that I have. I want to acquaint you with the work of United Christian Missions because we are a homegrown ministry. But in order to do that, I've got to go back and I've got to tell you that for the majority of my life, I was one of those who used to look at people going on mission trips. And quite frankly, my response was, well, we've got enough needs here. But then the Lord has a sense of humor because in 2005, I felt led to, Nancy and I felt led to go with the Greater Cleveland Baptist Association on a mission trip to Nicaragua. We went. We came home and cried for three days. Nicaragua is the second poorest country in this hemisphere. We went twice more in 2006. And then we realized that God was calling us more than just going on a mission trip. God was calling us to a ministry. And here's what we felt. When we finally surrendered, because I asked, Lord, why me? I have no missionary experience. Nancy was saying the same thing. Why us? But then we felt as if God was saying to us this. If you will let me work through you and follow me, then I can use you to win many people to me in Nicaragua. We also, that grabbed me, but that's true of any of us, no matter where we are. But what really grabbed us was the thought that God planted within us that he could use us to help answer the prayers of his people there. These are an impoverished people, the second poorest country in this hemisphere, right behind Haiti. And so we, in 2007, established the ministry, United Christian Missions. And I'm delighted to tell you a little bit about it because many of you I meet on the street and we get to talking and you have no idea we're here. Beside the Italian garden, between the barber shop and the beauty shop, you may have seen a black awning. It says across it, United Christian Missions. You may have seen the sign up top hanging out that says United Christian Missions. We are the home office here for the ministry that goes on in other places in the world. Not only in Nicaragua, but in Zambia and Cambodia as well. But our main emphasis is in Nicaragua. 
In Nicaragua, basically our ministry consists of this, so you'll know. We're not just, people ask us, so you go on mission trips? Yes, we go on mission trips, but that's just a small part of what we do. Because we have a center that is located there where we have missionaries there, we have staff there, and they are working in many instances 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. But we're in Nicaragua. Our ministry and the three main focuses are these. We have a pastor school, and in that pastor school, we have trained over 650 pastors from Nicaragua, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, and Honduras. We saw the need for that because in our first class out of 28 pastors, only one of them owned a study Bible. Only one had a Bible dictionary. That same pastor is the only one that had a commentary. And so we put into place a program that when they finish two courses, they get a study Bible, four courses, a Bible dictionary, six courses, they get a Bible commentary. And then when they finish eight courses, they get Bibles for every family in their church. We were at one time, we have since had to cut down on the size of our school, but we were in one time for a few years, they're sending around 10,000 Bibles a year. Also, my wife, Nancy, her, her love was for the children and we wanted to incorporate, how can we combine the pastor school and the Educate a Child program? It's a child sponsorship program. Every penny goes toward these children. Nancy and I pay for our own trips. I don't draw a salary from this ministry. What people give goes toward the mission projects for which they designate it for. But the Educate a Child program enables children who would not be able to get an education otherwise to be able to go to school, a $20 a month sponsorship. And we have countless numbers of children who need to go. I need to be in the program. But in the Educated Child program, it's different because we gear everything through the churches. The aim is to grow the churches. And the pastors that we've trained, they are the pastors of the churches with the Educated Child program. And the children, a prerequisite of the program is that they must attend two hours of spiritual training every week. So it's growing the churches from the bottom up. Also, our third major focus is the distribution of Bibles. Our other focuses that we have, we have a ministry to nursing homes, we have a ministry to prisons, which has been extremely productive. We also have a ministry there to people who actually live and exist off a dump, what they can get out of it. These are just some of the things that we, are, that we are doing. We have a build a bed project, furnishing bump beds for children who sleep on the ground. We also have a program, a, a, a stove program. Uh, it's an eco-friendly stove, a Vanza stove, because there are a million people in this world who die every year because they are cooking with wood inside their homes over open flames. These are just some of the things that we're about. I thank you for the time to share with you. I ask for your prayers. And if you come Wednesday night, you'll see a video.
You know, there are images that stick with us. And one of the images that sticks with me was, well, we just got back, but this uh, summer when we were there, we went to the dump. And it's not a dump like ours. They'd think they were going to a department store by going over here to Boiling Springs at the dump. But you go to the dump. And I walked out there and I saw a lady with her child going through the dump. And she picked up some bananas that somebody had put in the dump. And I walked up to her, and instead of keeping the bananas, she handed them to me, wanting me to take them. These are a people who have nothing, but they are a people who are hungry for the Word of God, and they just want us who are blessed and have so much. They constantly tell me, thank the people in America for listening to God and for helping us. God bless you, Boiling Springs Baptist Church, and thank you, Keith, for this opportunity. Thank you, David. I can give testimony as to my recent travels to Guatemala and as what he's speaking about in Nicaragua and the work that... Baptists have done for many years in Honduras, and God is at work in Central America. And David and Nancy, we thank you for being here this morning, and we thank you for your commitment and dedication uh, to following the Lord's, to following the Holy Spirit, as we're talking about this morning, uh, in, in your work there. As a church family, let's be mindful not only of David's ministry and, and uh, the work that's going on there. Uh, they, he and Nancy will be available after the service with some brochures down front if you would like to talk with them and learn more about their work in Nicaragua. Let's be mindful of Jerry and Don Green, who are in Charlotte in the hospital and continuing to struggle. Jerry's improving. Don has had some setbacks this week, and so let's be mindful of them. We have many others in our congregation. Uh, Billy and Sarah Lemons have not been well as of recent, and um, they're both at home, but need our thoughts and prayers at this time. And we all know of others that are within our church family that uh, are undergoing tests or in a, a difficult situation, a different, difficult season of life right now. And so let's be mindful of them. Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we thank you that in your word you tell us where two or three are gathered, there your spirit is in their midst. Father, we know that your spirit is here this morning. Father, help us to put aside those things in our lives that would distract, that would hinder us from hearing clearly from you today. We pray that through the songs, prayers, scripture, sermon, as it is preached this morning, Father, that you would speak to us anew and afresh. Convict us where we need convicting. Lord, encourage us in areas where our lives, where we're discouraged. Challenge us in ways that will move us to be the people that you have called us to be. God, I'm so grateful for people like David and Nancy Webb, for people like Roger and Vicki Grossman, for other leaders, not only here within our state and country, but in throughout Central America that are responding to the good news of the gospel and responding to the call of God on our lives to go and to share, to go to love and to go and to give. Father, we live in a nation that so desperately needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, that needs to see the good news of Jesus Christ within, his, within the church today. But Father, we know of so many that are hurting throughout our world that also need to hear and experience that love of Christ. 
Father, we think of and are mindful of our missionaries this morning and pray that you would supply for their needs, Father. Uh, Be a God of provision for them. And Father, be a God that allows them and, and enables them through the power of your Holy Spirit to have a fruitful ministry. Father, we do lift up those in our church body that are struggling at this hour. We do pray for them, whether they are in the hospital or at home this morning. We do pray for your healing touch. Lord, for others who are undergoing tests and different things in the coming week, we pray that you would walk with them and be their good shepherd through this difficult season. Father, our desire this morning is to meet you and to allow you to work and to move in each of our hearts and our lives. Do that individually and do that corporately as a church family. Lord, you know the things that are on our hearts and minds this morning. We commit those to you, asking that you would have your will and your way in each of them. Bless now each song, your scripture, and the sermon as it is preached. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Our hymn is number 217, Oh How I Love Jesus, 217. Please stand if you are able and join me in singing. Father, we do love you because you first loved us. Thank you for blessing us in so many ways. Lord, help us to be good stewards, not just of our money, but of our time and our personality. 
Thank you for your love for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Roger. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, uh, right after the book of Colossians and right before Timothy, Paul's letter to young Timothy. 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 1 through 10. The words may be on your screen. They could be slightly different than what I would be reading this morning. I'll be reading from the New American Standard. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you in peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you. We'll be spending some time talking about verse five here this morning. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power 
and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves report about us what kind of a reception we had with you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, and that is Jesus who rescues us from the wrath to come. May God add his blessing to the reading and preaching of his word this morning.
Thank you, choir and Candy and accompanist. Keep your Bibles open there to 1 Thessalonians 1 that we read just a moment ago. There's one thing that I desire in my own walk with the Lord and in the life of this church. It's not the only thing I desire, but one thing that I do desire, and I don't think I am alone in this, is a greater awareness of the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit, both in my own life and in the life of this church. I want to frame what we're going to say this morning or where we're going to go or how we're going to get there with a question. And the question is this, is how can we as believers in Jesus Christ experience a greater awareness of the power of the Holy Spirit? If you have trusted in Christ, the Holy Spirit is living within you. If you have confessed sin and and professed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection, you know Christ and his Holy Spirit is living within you this morning. As Christians, we believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. We believe in God the Father, we believe in Jesus Christ the Son, we believe in the Holy Spirit. One God existing in three persons. We talk often about God, sing praises to God, we do the same for Christ, we preach Christ and everything is about Christ. If we had to communicate anything about who we are, it would have, it should have Christ in it, his death, his resurrection, his perfect life, his sinless life, the message of the gospel is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. The third member of the Trinity, we talk some about, we sing some about, we hope the Holy Spirit is, uh, is, is, uh, is in, well, moving within us in, in, in exciting ways, but it, the Holy Spirit is a little more unpredictable, it's a little more precarious, a little more mysterious maybe for some of us. I think when we're young and growing in our faith in relationship to the Holy Spirit, I know I did this and if we're all honest, many of us, many of you would confess you did this as well. We try to discern the Holy Spirit in a lot of different ways. It's kind of like the young um, college student, young man who was praying about whether he should ask out this special young lady or not. And uh, after he was done praying, just sitting there in his car, he looked up and he saw a billboard and on the back of the billboard, the, the, the color on the back of the billboard was the same color as her eyes. And he just thought, well, that's it. Yes, God's wanting me to ask her out. Well, I'm afraid that sometimes often we can get in dangerous situations when we attribute, when we pray something and attribute a lot of different things to the Holy Spirit. There's a danger in doing that, but there's also a danger in simply ignoring the Holy Spirit altogether. And so how do we manifest and allow this spirit uh, to grow and to move within each of us? Jesus said in John 16:7, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper, the advocate, in Greek, the parakletos, the one who comes alongside of us, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The Holy Spirit is mentioned almost a hundred times in the New Testament. And it's a name interchangeable with the Spirit of God, the presence of God. Um, uh, In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit represents, again, the presence of God, active and powerful in revealing and convicting of sin. The scripture uses several symbols to talk about the Holy Spirit, fire, water, wind. We know of a dove. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, like I said. The Holy Spirit leads us into truth, and it is by the Holy Spirit that we know the deep things of God. Essentially, the Holy Spirit is the continuing divine presence of Jesus Christ in us. As the followers of Jesus Christ, when he left us, we are not orphans, but he left us, that advocate and that helper that comes alongside of us. 
In the Gospel of John, Jesus said, I will not leave you desolate. I will come to you in John 14, 18. The setting of our text this morning is one of Paul's earliest writings. Uh, the only other exception could be Galatians, but it was one of Paul's uh, first letters, many believe. And he was writing to a group of new believers. Acts 17 reminds us and tells us that Paul had been preaching for three Sabbaths in the synagogue there in Thessalonica. And it had, he had great success in doing this, so much so he had to be smuggled out. And later, he sent Timothy back to see how the church was doing. And when Timothy reported to Paul about how the church was doing, he came with a list of questions. He was loaded. And so for the letter that we have as 1 Thessalonians was Paul's patient reply to Timothy's questions having visited the church in Thessalonica. The verse that our focus is, is on this morning is verse five here in 1 Thessalonians 1. And Paul writes, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you. The word power here in the Greek is dunamis. It's dunamis, you may have heard this before, but strong force, miraculous power. It's the same root in English as our root for the word dynamite. As the Holy Spirit was moving in power and full conviction, let us go back to our question as we seek to continue this morning. How can we as believers in Jesus Christ experience a greater awareness of the power of the Holy Spirit? The prerequisite, the first step in doing this before we get into our points this morning is putting our faith and trust in Christ. We can't expect to experience the full presence and power of the Holy Spirit if we have not yet put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. That's the first question we must ask ourselves is has we, have we done this? If we have trusted in Christ, the first way we can have a greater awareness of the Holy Spirit is through Scripture. The Scripture teaches us this. The primary vehicle for speaking into our lives is Scripture. Through the Scripture, we can test and approve what is of the Spirit, what is God's will, and what is not of God. Paul often equates the fullness of the Spirit with going deeper in the gospel. In Ephesians 3, verse 16 through 19, Paul writes these words. These should be on your screen. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with the power through his spirit. And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Let me ask you this morning, are you spending time in God's word? If you want that powerful awareness of the power of the Holy Spirit, I would beg to argue with you this morning that it would be hard to have that without spending time in God's word. Psalm 119 writes, David writes, his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It doesn't say that it's a beacon that shines two miles down the road so you'll know the future and you'll know God's will, but it does say that it's a lamp unto our feet. If you and I are walking down a dark trail with a lamp, we'll see the next few feet. We may not see the two mile stretch, but we'll see where to take our next steps. And as we look to God, as we pursue his will for our lives and for our families and for our church and community, as we look to and trust his word, he will be that lamp 
and that light to our path. Do you want to have a greater awareness of the Holy Spirit? We need to start with Scripture. When I was a child, uh, I went to a Christian school up through the sixth grade, and we uh, memorized Scripture. I did this not only through school, but also did this some on my own as well and had little index cards with scriptures on it. And so I'm grateful that as a child that was instilled in me. It was something that I later found not only enjoyable, but also as an adult and now as a minister of the gospel uh, that I can recall scriptures. There's something about God's word that sticks with us that uh, maybe the 10 things that I memorized for a, a Dr. C exam have, or a Dr. Lamb exam that, I, that I've lost, but there's something about scripture that sticks with us. And I remember as a high school student, when it talks about in scripture and others talk about the word of God being implanted in you, I remember as a high school student some nights when um, there wasn't a lot going on or maybe I just chose not to be out doing things with friends once I had my license, but I remember doing something that I think was a little odd maybe for me now looking back on it for some high school students, but I remember getting out my Bible for the first time, not being asked to do this from some teacher or a minister, but I remember the curiosity and the spirit led me to get out my Bible. I remember it was a, a living Bible to get out that Bible many nights in high school and begin reading through the New Testament. And I would say that what happened in those nights, in those moments and years in high school, when I opened up the word and began to read it for myself and I wasn't being asked to do it, is what led me to where I'm at today and played a significant role not only then and throughout these last 20 years of my life, but continues to play a role in what I do today as pastor of Boiling Springs Baptist Church. So how can we as believers in Jesus Christ experience a greater awareness of the Holy Spirit? Number one is we do this through scripture. Another way we can experience a greater awareness is through solitude, It's through solitude. This is something that some, is very foreign to some today, this idea of being alone and spending time with God. Our worlds are so hectic and, 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 and just filled with activity, but time alone with God for reading and prayer. Something very basic, something we've heard before, but yet something at times we find very difficult to live out. Psalm 4610 reminds us to be still, to cease striving, in some translations, and to know that I am God. Sometimes those active in the life of the church need to hear this message as well. There are, there are bulletins to be printed. There are tasks to be assigned and, and uh, carried out. There's ministry to do and there are things to perform. As ministers and as leaders and as a church, we need time in God's word and we need time alone. We need to be still, to cease striving, and to know that he is God. There is no way that we can experience all that God has for us if we don't take time to be alone with him. And I get it. If you have a family, if you have a job, if you have all of these demands, it's hard to set that time aside. But you and I, I don't need to say this, but in our world today, we all hear different voices constantly that are vying for our attention. Voices from politicians, voices from TV, voices from popularity and media. Let me back up and say that as a child, you would often hear the voice of parents in the morning. You often hear the voice of teachers and coaches. As you, as you get older, become a young adult, you begin to hear the voice of, of college professors or maybe a boss or a girlfriend or boyfriend. As you get a little bit older, you begin to hear the voice of your spouse. And I hope this morning that that's a voice you still enjoy hearing, but that's another sermon. Uh, later, you may begin to hear the voice of career, children, much later, grandchildren. And then you begin to hear the voice 
of doctors and you begin to hear discount or free coffee for seniors. And as we get older, we may just be glad to hear anything. Uh, Truth be known. But there's also, again, other voices from our culture that are vying for our attention. And we certainly know that right now politicians are also doing that at this time as well. But I believe today what you and I, what the believers, what the church of Jesus Christ longs to hear more than anything is his voice. In the solitude, we hear his voice saying to us and to our hurried lives, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We're looking at that on Wednesday nights, both in prayer meeting and in women's Bible study. Do you have time in your life to have a daily retreat? Are you making time alone each day to be with God? Jesus set a great example for this, often breaking away from his family, from his friends, and from the disciples to go away and spend time with the Father. If it was important for Jesus being the Son of God, how much more is it important for you and for me to have that time each day that we can spend with the Father? How can we as believers in Jesus Christ experience a greater awareness of the Holy Spirit? We can do this through Scripture. We can do it through solitude. But I would also say that we can do this through community as well. A person honestly seeking to know God's will and way will benefit from choosing to live out one's faith in community. We can do this in small churches. We can do this in large churches. We can do this in a small group Bible study. We can do this through a women's study, a men's study. We can do it in a men's group that meets on Sunday mornings. Whatever it may be, we can do it in different places and different, it takes on different um, atmospheres at time, if you will. I'm grateful for the time that I have alone with God, but I'm also grateful for time that I share with a group of men on Sunday mornings. I'm grateful for a group of adults that I share Wednesday evenings with. If you don't come to Wednesday evening prayer meeting, I would invite you to come. It's a very special time where we can be a little more personal and share concerns within our family and within our community and world. I'm grateful for a time that I have with a group of pastors. Uh, Candy has a peer learning group. I have a peer learning group as well. And uh, we get together. Uh, we try to once a month and we can share things in that group and support one another, encourage one another and challenge one another when the need arises. Do you have that group? Do you have that small group? Church and corporate worship is a wonderful group, a wonderful way for us to express our worship and to grow in the spirit. But I would challenge you this morning, are you part of a small group that challenges you, that encourages you and holds you accountable in your relationship with the Lord? How can we as believers in Jesus Christ experience a greater awareness of the power of the Holy Spirit? We can do that through scripture, again through solitude, through community with other believers. And the last point this morning, the last way we're going to talk about having a greater awareness of the Holy Spirit is through service and through ministry. Communion with God alone in prayer is a great thing. Reading the scripture leads inevitably to community with God's people. And if we are allowing the spirit to move and to grow and to work in our lives, there's going to be a natural move for us to find our place of service and ministry that is both fulfilling and enriching for our lives, but also beneficial for God's church and for the world. One of the ways studies tell us that we will convince a skeptical generation of Jesus Christ is not with our articulate arguments but it's with incarnation. It's with us allowing the presence of Christ to be so real and so active and so vital and vibrant in our lives that people see Christ in us. And not only do they see Christ in us, but they hear Christ in us when we speak. Those far from Christ don't care a lot about our formalities. 
They don't care a lot about our worship wars. They don't care a lot about our styles of preaching. These are all insufficient. The world will take notice when God's people, the church of Jesus Christ, are living out what John calls the word made flesh, Christ in us. I would like to propose one of the reasons that we don't experience a lot of the Holy Spirit is we don't oftentimes put ourselves in places of service and ministry where we are uncomfortable. And let me explain what I mean by this. If the Holy Spirit has come as our comforter and we are remaining comfortable in the way that we live our lives, in the way that we worship, in the way that we serve, why would we need the comforter if we were already comfortable? Are you with me? And so therefore, I am praying in my own life that God would continue to give me situations and circumstances, and I I gotta ask what I pray for because I just might get it, right? God, give me times where I don't have the answer. Give me times where what I'm doing might be a little bit risky. Give me some times that take me out of my comfort zone so that I can allow the Holy Spirit to move and to work in me, to lead me to a greater place of service and to a greater place of ministry where I need the comforter. A lot of times we don't live our lives in such a way that we are needing the Holy Spirit and we are needing the great comforter. At times it seems the church in America could do just fine without the Holy Spirit. If we want to experience deeper worship and better communion with God and with others, if we want to see people coming to Christ and God moving in our world, we must allow the Spirit to move within us. Many of you know, and I am grateful for your prayers as I was away in Guatemala two weeks ago, but I was there with two missionaries, Roger and Vicki Grossman, along with Melvin and Joanne Lutz and a few others in our state that are affiliated with the Baptist Children's Homes in North Carolina. And while we were there, they shared with us some amazing stories of what God was doing and has done in their ministry over the last six years or so. And uh, they would share with us about the great construction projects that were going on. They would share to, to house kids. There's an orphanage there now, and they're building a new one. They would share with us about the Supreme Court of Guatemala, hearing about these two missionaries that have started a great orphanage uh, called the Good Shepherd Orphanage and Medical Clinic. And a baby that was supposed to go back out to one of the government homes where many kids lie in a crib together and they're not held and it's just not a, a great situation. And uh, the Supreme Court of Guatemala heard that there was a new orphanage that had opened up in Shela, spelled X-E-L-A, Guatemala. And they said, we've heard this is a good orphanage that just opened up and we wanna send this baby, it was a newborn, to this, to this new orphanage. They told us story after story after story. They told us a story as we're standing in a, a new, I uh, didn't even have the roof on it yet, but a new, a new cottage that's being built, being designed after one of the uh, Baptist children's homes here in North Carolina. And they're standing there telling us a story about one week. They said, this is just another example of how the Spirit has worked in this ministry. They said, one week um, we needed a mason and we didn't know for sure when we were gonna have a mason, a really good mason to be here and to help do some things that we wanted to do in our main uh, dining hall to make things look nice. But one particular week, there was both a mason and a mosaic tile artist on the mission trip that week. And uh, when they first got together, they realized how special this time was and what the project was being asked of this group. They were to build a, and I think we have a picture of it if we want to put that up. This is the main uh, dining hall there in the Good Shepherd Medical Clinic. Uh, and training center. And you'll see what the mason did as you look at the hearth, as you look at the fireplace. 
But as we go to the next image, you'll see what the mosaic tile artist was able to do. That is all mosaic tile and it is beautiful. They would share story after story of things that they didn't plan for that happened all along the way in these last six years there in, in Guatemala. But this is the quote, this is where I'm going. He said, standing in the midst of this unfinished orphanage, unfinished children's cottage, back behind this medical clinic that you're looking at here, Roger Grossman said these words. He says, this is a perfect example of what, what happens when ordinary people give their best to Jesus. He's not talking about just the mason and the mosaic tile artist, but he's talking about all the things that have happened. I know David could give example of this as well in all the work these last many years in Nicaragua, but this is what happens. To stand in a place and look around and see what has happened and see people, see pastors who are trained and kids who have come to know Christ, to be able to stand there and say, this is what happens when ordinary people give their best to Jesus Christ. That'll preach, church. I'd like to tweak it slightly and say this in, in the form of a question. What if the ordinary people who make up Boiling Springs Baptist Church allowed the Holy Spirit to use them in giving their best, our best, to Jesus? One thing I said at the beginning of my time this morning that I desire in my own life and in the life of our church is a greater awareness of the Holy Spirit. How are you and I doing? Is spending time in God's word? Is spending time alone with God? Spending time in community where we can also grow in that awareness. And then spending time in service and in ministry where it just may be uncomfortable at times and we need that great comforter to guide us, that parakletos, to advocate, that helper to come alongside of us in the midst of the risky business that is often ministry. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, are you living in an awareness of the Holy Spirit in your life? And like I said earlier, the prerequisite, the first step in being aware of the Holy Spirit in your life is having, to commit, having committed your life to Jesus Christ. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Paul says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, I believe it is, that we must confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Have you come to that time in your life when you've put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Is the Holy Spirit living within you this morning because of a decision that you once made to put your faith and trust in him? And how are you doing in your walk with the Lord? Are you allowing, again, that time for scripture and solitude, for community and service? We're gonna stand and sing a closing hymn. It's listed there in your bulletin, but it's breathe on me, breath of God. I invite you to think about where you are this morning in your relationship with the Lord. Are you allowing that awareness? Is that Holy Spirit alive and active and moving in your heart this morning? Is there sin that needs to be confessed so that Holy Spirit can have the life and the vitality and the meaning that, it, that God desires in your life. Let's stand and sing together. Breathe on me, breath of God.
the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.